Hey everybody, it's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir, Alberta, in Ottawa, Ontario still. And uh, we've had a lot of questions about how we're doing, if everything's good here. Yes it is. Uh, we've been quiet on social media because it's just been a very busy day. Uh, lots of things to do. But I just figured that I'd at least say hello and good morning to the people in Alberta and uh, anyone basically west of Ontario and good afternoon to those in Ontario. So I thought I'd show you something real quick here. I did come across a little bit of terrorism here, and I'll show you. Oh, they've taken a break now, but there's some uh, fine young gentlemen over here who are absolutely terrorizing the ice on the sidewalk. Um, they're chipping ice off the sidewalk, clearing it off so people don't slip. Um, and as you can see, morale and spirits are still high. Uh, the trucks are still here. Nobody's left. Well, I mean, there's probably a few people left, but more people have arrived. Look at this. The guy's actually using a pry bar to chip ice off the street so people don't slip. Terrifying. It's absolutely amazing. And that's, you know, that's kind of par for the course down here. People are chipping in, quite literally, uh, doing what they can do to show the people of Ottawa that uh, we're very grateful for them hosting this monumentous demonstration of Canadian unity. So, uh, that's about all I have to say for now. Just want to let everyone know that all's good. Uh, no one's been hauled out of their trucks. Trucks aren't getting towed away. Nobody's taking children. Cell phone service is still good. Uh, it's a beautiful day in Ottawa. We're having a lot of fun. And I'm gonna go try and find a haircut because Jeez. And uh, yeah, we'll be back later on with another update. Thanks again. Welcome to our third official press conference. Much like the previous two, we're going to follow the same format. Uh, the rules are no fake news industry. We want real reporters who want to ask real questions, want to engage, and uh, don't want to engage in activism. So thank you for all of you who have joined us here. Uh, it's disappointing we had to throw CTV out, but uh, that's what they get for pushing you around, right? Um, this is going to be a long format uh, press conference. There's no limitations, no time constraints. You can ask whatever question you want. We don't know the answer, we'll tell you we don't know. If we know the answer, we'll tell you we, what the answer is. Simple, right? Like the way sh things should be, right? So hopefully all, all it, hopefully all of this is a, an exercise in teaching the fake news industry what news is. And we thank you for all of you for uh, participating in that, okay? 
Uh, just a couple of comments we want to start with. One is the status of how things are now. The morale of people on the ground hasn't changed much, as, as, as you've noticed. People are upbeat. I spoke to a couple of truckers last night when I was hobbling to one of the meetings, and he was getting a kick out of me trying to <laughs> navigate the ice. Um, but spoke to him about his truck. He had the same truck as I have. So there's um, good spirits. Everybody's happy. And I think part of it is because they're actually seeing the result of, of change. Even though I put on Twitter, hashtag nothing to do with truckers, we know it all has something to do with truckers. And we're seeing our, our, our provincial leaders trying to sit on the fence like they always do, but moving a little bit more towards our side as public sentiment has been changing. That's good. Uh, we've seen changes in the political landscape. Uh, we have a lot of people within the political sphere that have been quietly making overtures to us. Uh, we're the hottest topic on Parliament Hill, uh, which is great, that all of these hardworking Canadians are getting the attention that they deserve, which is what this is all about. And the last speech I gave on Parliament Hill, I, I addressed something I want to talk about here very quickly, which is, which is the, the Liberal MPs that still hold office are in caucus. And I just want to ask them again, is this what you signed up for? Did you sign up to be an embarrassment to the entire world? Did you sign up to prop up a guy who wore blackface in a time where even I knew as a little kid, just watch Mississippi burning. You know how offensive and insulting that is, right? Yet he gets away with it. It, it makes no sense. And we're, we're in this historical moment of Canada. It's amazing. We're all unified. Whether you're from Quebec, you're from Alberta, Saskatchewan, it doesn't matter. All the, the, the political baggage that we've grown up with, it's all gone. Everybody's realizing it's the media and the political class that's creating it. And I tell this story where a couple of days ago, uh, we went to Tim Hortons, of course, we're Canadian, to get coffee in the morning. And there were these two truck drivers, clearly know each other. They're hanging out and they're friends and talking, whatever. But with one difference. They were using Google Translate on their phones because one was French and one was from Alberta and they couldn't understand each other. So they would, you know, translate and they're joking and laughing and ha ha ha, whatever. It was, it was a beautiful moment and we've seen a lot of that. We've seen people, you know, I mentioned a few times, we've seen this many times where people are, you know, the first day they'd have a sign. One guy has a sign that says freedom, and his new friend has a sign that says liberté, and they're just hanging out together. So I went up, had a picture taken with them, that's sort of like, it, it's amazing. This is what Canada Day is supposed to be. This is what Canada is supposed to be about. So we're at this amazing moment in our history where all the baggage seems to be subsiding and we're respecting the cultural differences of all of us. Like last night I had a two hour long meeting with a couple of native tribes, right? And the clanswomen of these tribes. It was amazing. It, yeah, we want to help, we support you. You know, there are some complications in our communities, but we're looking forward to unifying. So you have natives, you have Quebecers, you have Albertans, like everybody is becoming Canadian. So I ask, the liberal MPs who are propping up this embarrassment, 
Is this what you signed up for, to crush this? What happened to liberals all being about the people unifying and protesting together? That's the whole essence of what liberal philosophy is. But they've abandoned it. For what? For a cult of personality? Is that the legacy they want to leave for their kids and their grandkids? Talk about the time in our history where thousands of truckers and their families drove for a week across the country to have their voices heard, and they were there to crush it. I can't believe there's anyone in the Liberal Caucus that would want to support that. So I, I reach out to you and I, have, I just want you to think about what does it mean to be a representative of your people? What are your constituents going to think in the next election? Now, yeah, you were the ones that crushed that great freedom and unity movement that Canada has never had. Imagine that. Um, there's some particular people that we see culturally in Canada, the U.S., and now globally, because, because of the Internet, we live in this global world. We all talk about often Jordan Peterson, that he has become, you know, the essence of a man. Like, he is, he's, he's larger than life. But there's two other people, at least for me, uh, that have been powerful voices. One is Professor Stephen Hicks, and the other is Professor Gad Saad. Stephen Hicks is probably the most prominent professor who has researched for decades postmodernism. That's who uh, Jordan Peterson is often referencing when he talks about postmodernism. He's usually referencing Stephen Hicks's work explaining postmodernism. This is the underlying philosophy of people like Justin Trudeau. This is why they're not liberal. They may have a liberal banner that they, they trot around, but that's a brand. It's not the ideology of these people. The ideology is postmodernism, which is very, very dangerous. And the other one is Gad Saad, who is hilarious on Twitter. Um, but very, he, he's, he's, a, he's a brilliant man. And he's got a book out um, right now, The Parasitic Mind. I suggest everybody read it, because that explains how this philosophy of postmodernism has spread into all our institutions of government. This is why you see some of the ridiculousness that's going on in decisions in our institutions, in various bureaus. It's all that um, the proliferation of this philosophy, and he talks about the tools that's used. So everybody, go to Amazon.com and order The Parasitic Mind. I'm telling you, it's, it's a brilliant read. And Gad loves to talk about it, so go to his channel. Uh, it's, it's, it's the type of wisdom that we need to get into the mindset of the people who right now are still watching the fake news industry, the propaganda industry. Gad's book, and, and Stephen Hicks's book, and the, that sort of knowledge is the antidote to that. And we understand why people do. Uh, people are busy raising their kids, they got to work, they got lots of things going on in their lives. But now we have the internet. You can turn off the, the fake news media and go on to the internet and find a variety of different sources, which is one of the conversations I've had with the Conservative Party this week behind the scenes, and one other party uh, that's not what you would think they are, is to explain to them that they need to start paying attention to alternative media. 
because it dwarfs all of mainstream media. So this is why there's such a disconnected messaging, because all the political parties are doing is they're watching CTV, CBC, uh, all this old this stuff that I haven't watched in maybe a decade. Same for the, the print publications. But they're not getting what all of us are engaged in and what you all work in, which is alternative media. You know, when one podcast dwarfs all of mainstream media combined, there's a problem. Uh, when a, a creator like PewDiePie dwarfs all global mainstream media combined with one video, there's a problem. And the problem is they don't have any credibility, and that's why they're not here. The next thing I want to move into is the status of where we're at with funding, GoFundMe, what happened, all that sort of stuff. So God bless, and this is not being politically partisan, but the voices of people like Ted Cruz, Ron DeSantis, the Attorney General of uh, Florida, several others have now spoken out since GoFundMe stole our money. I'm sorry, they didn't steal our money. They stole your money. You all wanted to donate, wanted your voice to be heard, and GoFundMe stole that from you. Now, luckily, we have this, um, this other platform, Give, Send, Go, that stepped up to the plate, reached out to us. We communicated directly with Jacob, the CEO, and he was wonderful. So I'm not backing down. I'm going to support you. We set it up, and the very first day, we got, they got 5 million DDoS attacks per hour. So somebody was heavily motivated to try to censor us. I don't know if it was Silicon Valley, if it was foreign, uh, foreign entities, who knows, we don't know. But at the same time as all these DDoS attacks that they were getting, they were overwhelmed with requests to donate. They could not, they ran out of bandwidth, their servers couldn't handle it, uh, and even with that, like I couldn't get on, the, I couldn't even see the page for seven hours, yet somehow, we processed $1.5 million, $1 million in donations in the first day. I think now, I mean, I checked earlier today, like really early in the morning, really in the morning, it was $7.5 million on Gifts and Go. You did us a huge favor. A lot of the messages that I saw were, well, I'm going to double my donation to yes. Gifts and Go now, or I didn't donate to the GoFundMe, but I'm definitely donating now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. So. For everybody who had your voice stolen by GoFundMe, um, you should feel solace that there is now alternatives. And this is the whole point of the free market. This is why we need alternatives for everything. We need to stop this move towards centralization of everything. When we were uh, initially um, banned by GoFundMe, as you know, GoFundMe decided, well, what we're going to do is we're just going to keep your money. Where are you going to send it to whoever you want, we, whoever we want, whichever charity we want. And we all can guess which charities those would be, charities. Uh, luckily, because of uh, Governor DeSantis, they, I think he was the first one to really be really vocal about it and say we need an inquiry because this is fraud and theft, which is exactly what it is. Uh, that it, those wheels are in motion, and I believe a bill was uh, submitted to the House, or a request for an investigation was submitted to the House. So 
that is ongoing, and uh, that is now GoFundMe's problem to deal with. But when that was happening, I put a tweet out to the Bitcoin community. And I said, just very subtly, perhaps this is the time where we should look at Bitcoin as an alternative for a bunch of reasons, and we're not going to get too technical with it. Uh, I'm a techie, and it took me a year to figure out how to use it and to be comfortable with it. Okay? But I was, I was shocked how quickly I started getting messages from some of the most prominent Bitcoiners in the world, uh, some big players in the space, saying, we're here to help you. This is, the, this is the whole principle philosophy of what Bitcoin is, is freedom and you know, self-sovereignty in terms of uh, monetary policy. And <clears throat> what they did, I said, we'll get back to you and remember the original messages. Uh, maybe two days later, three days later, a tally coin um, drive was set up. That's the equivalent of GoFundMe, but for Bitcoin, same idea. You have a progress bar, you have a goal, all that sort of stuff. Last I checked, and I think it's been five days. I'd have to check when Ben set it up initially. <laughs> but last I checked this morning, it was at $812 million. Thousand. Sorry, $812,000. <laughs> wow. Oops. That would be great. <laughs> we're not there yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> That's the goal. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's at $812,000. And they set it up with the request that this be a legal war chest, both defensive and offensive. Because if all these smear merchants don't think I've been reading everything they've been saying about us, and I know every word they've said, it's all been funneled and aggregated into a database. So we're going to get very aggressive with certain people in both the media and in government that have been attacking us. This stops. We cannot have a society like this, where everybody is always attacking people making up stories, smearing, all baseless stuff. Now, I'm a white supremacist, apparently. I'm Jewish. I have family, families that are buried in mass graves in Europe, but I'm, but I'm a white supremac supremacist. This garbage stops. And the media is going to learn a very harsh lesson about this. It's over. And what they're going to learn is they're no longer relevant. It's you guys that are taking over. The independent, individual journalist is going to have a voice, and that's going to be the future. And hopefully, they will, re they will reset themselves. Now, that's not all um, legacy media. As you may have seen, I've been doing some legacy media. I speak to them before I get an idea that and they don't have to agree with us. They just have to be objective. And the ones that have been objective, we've done a little bit of media here and there. But primarily, this is the time for independent media to shine. So. Yeah, they just have to not be bullies and be respectful, right? Which is why you guys are here. That's right. Telling the truth would be nice too. That would be <laughs> a huge bonus. Yeah. Um, do you want to uh, discuss just anything sure, regarding uh, Bitcoin, yeah. just a generalization? Well, well, I'd maybe like to provide a couple of highlights on some important legal points. Uh, we were in court again on Monday. Uh, you recall that. I was in court on Saturday. I haven't had a lot of sleep since I've been here. I'm coming on a week now having been here. I don't want sympathy because all of these folks have been here longer than me. But a couple of very important things happened in the injunction application. First is, as an olive branch, I was able to advise the court in the morning 
or that that morning, the truckers had agreed to stop using their air horns. And the truckers stopped using their air horns. They did it because they thought it was a kind gesture. We didn't need a court order ordering them to stop using their horns. They did it because it was time to stop using the air horns. So there is a temporary 10-day injunction telling the truckers they can't use their air horns. That's fine. Um, but very importantly, during the, the three or four hour proceeding before Justice McLean in the Superior Court of Ontario, Justice McLean is one of the most senior judges on the bench in terms of uh, years, years on the bench. He was crystal clear in a number of instances during his um, during the hearing that these truckers have a lawful right to be here to protest. They have a lawful right of free expression, both under common law, which predates our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and most clearly under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And whenever counsel for the other party tried to suggest anything otherwise, he would have none of it. He was counsel, they have the right to be here, they have the right to peaceful protest, they have the right under the Charter and a common law, and it's not in dispute. So that's important. Um, I'd also like to clarify, some politicians have been throwing around this dangerous term of sedition and insurrection. At no time has anyone involved in the core group of the Freedom Convoy asked for anything other than their charter rights to be restored, the rule of law in Canada to be respected, and the mandates that arbitrarily discriminate against them and usurp their charter rights be stopped. There's some elements out there with different agendas talking about some fantasy of the governor general striking the government and magically appointing a committee. It's all fairy dust. It has no basis in reality, and it's nothing that any of this group that I work for has ever suggested, nor do they suggest now. Their goal is for all Canadians to have their rights back. Full stop. They recognize there's a democratic process through which government change occurs. It's called elections. Full stop. They understand that there's a couple of things that trigger elections. Okay, one is a non-confidence vote on a money bill in Parliament. That will trigger, traditionally, under our parliamentary tradition, an election. Or, the Prime Minister has the right to summon the Governor General and drop the writ. That's it. No more. So, this spin by some of the mainstream media that somehow those involved in this Freedom Convoy are seeking more than what I've described is completely inaccurate. With respect to Bitcoin, what we've witnessed here, what the world has witnessed here, is the power of government to manipulate the flows of people's hard-earned dollars to advance a government's objectives and to seek to defeat the will of individuals in their democratic process. And 
I have been following Bitcoin very closely. It's a decentralized platform for people to exchange their hard-earned value with someone else for theirs. And it bypasses the constraints and arbitrary controls of government. It, this is the perfect example of why fiat currency is in trouble. I think those who depend on it for their power know it and didn't think this through much in the same way that the police chief who brags about stopping the GoFundMe funds didn't think it through because he's likely going to double the amount that people, freedom-loving people, have donated. And the ongoing steps that they are taking to freeze accounts and all these other things will just drive more and more people to Bitcoin in a way that has never happened in our current time. It's decentralized. You don't need the government's permission to do it. It's verified. The government can't grab it. It is, it is a merging of money and democracy. The other thing I just wanted to say is you called them mainstream media. That's wrong. Legacy media. Yeah, like, I misspoke. They're fringe media. Misspoke. I'm running on two hours. I want to make sure that's correct. All right. Thank you. Um, we do also have uh, somebody here from the, uh, the Bitcoin community who uh, reached out to me and helped out. Nick was uh, tremendous in getting this, this started and helping us go down this journey of giving the alternative of Bitcoin. Um, so we have now the Gives Then Go. Uh, I've been working all night last night uh, in the middle of the day, to we, day yesterday we started. Uh, Dave Rubin reached out to us uh, to set us up on Locals, and they will be um, collecting donations for us as well. So you'll have the Gives and Go, you'll have the Freedom Convoy on Locals, which also will have a Bitcoin address that you'll be able to access and donate to. And then we'll have the Tallycoin link that I've been posting on our, um, on our Twitter, our social media, and we'll be putting that as well in uh, locals. So I think we're, uh, we're hedged against any future censorship. And just a word on that, I think I mentioned it before. People have asked, you know, why is there no centralized you know, Freedom Convoy Twitter account? Because uh, <coughs> anytime we do anything on those platforms, they get deleted, right? We had that problem. You were blocked from, from Facebook, Facebook this week. week. Yeah. So that's why we've been using our personal accounts and the hashtag system to get the word out. This probably would have been much bigger if we didn't have to deal with censorship. Uh, I think a de decentralized internet over the future, in the future, we'll, we'll correct this. This is only a temporary time in our history. Um, but that's just the nature of things, how they are right now. And I think we all see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so I wanted to invite Nick uh, to say a few comments about Bitcoin. Uh, I mean, I've been in this space for many years, but he is an expert. He's a, a Bitcoin podcaster. Yes. Hi. Just for those who joined the live stream late, could you all introduce yourself and your involvement with the Freedom Convoy real quick? Tamara Leach, organizer. Keith Wilson, uh, lead counsel for the Freedom Convoy. 
She is actually the president of Freedom Convoy. She's so modest. Uh, I'm the VP and spokesperson. Okay. Uh, Nick, you, so anyways, so yeah, back to what I was saying. Uh, so I've been in the space for a while, but people like Nick uh, are really uh, well-versed beyond the level. That, and when he said, yeah, we set up a multi-sig wallet, and I'm like, okay, I, I, I kind of know what that is. <laughs> we'll have to spend a few hours. On, and, and they were great. They sat me down. Some of the most prominent Bitcoiners on, on YouTube, uh, educational Bitcoiners, sat me down. And uh, can I say their names or no? So, uh, uh, I would hold off. Okay, Just so I have to confirm with that. Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Um, but they were wonderful. We sat down on Skype. They kind of walked me through it. We did all the setup. Uh, this is the, uh, the wallet address that will go to the company. It's a multi-person authentication, just like having a bank account where multi a multitude of people have to sign off on transactions. Uh, so it's completely secure. It, it's uh, Thank you. It was wonderful. But I want to bring Nick up to really ask uh, to talk about it from a more technical level. Not too much, because my parents are watching and they're bored. And they're into Bitcoin, so it's not, you know. And then we'll uh, start a Q&A session about absolutely anything you want. OK? Is that, is that fair? That works. You want to grab another seat there? Yeah, you want us to stay. Oh, you have the meeting now? Yeah. OK, good. Okay. Sorry, guys, we got to go to another have. meeting. But we were glad to be able to give you this time. And thank you for being here and doing what you do. All right. I'll stay longer next time. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Um, All right. Welcome to my couch. Oh, we got a roomy <laughs> All right. Hello, friends. Uh, my name is Nick. I'm the Bitcoin team lead uh, for the Freedom Convoy. Um, I've been on the ground here since this first started. I'm a local in Ottawa, so this fell into my backyard. Um, I'm not. I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I am a liaison to the experts in the Bitcoin world and serve to connect the Freedom Convoy to the Bitcoin community uh, so that we can meet the objective of being able to fund these truckers fighting for our freedom without being shackled by the censorship that's put in place in our legacy financial system. Um, so I'm helping to coordinate the effort. Keith did a great job at talking about some of the benefits of Bitcoin. I have 15 minutes that I'd like uh, to go through and I really want to go through this to clarify three main points. Why did we choose Bitcoin? Um, how is the Bitcoin going to be put to use in terms of our best understanding of this right now? And then I'd like to just talk briefly about the importance of freedom money that we're starting to understand on a world stage. Um, for Twitter, Bitcoin Freedom Convoy. Let's start that hashtag so that we can get people being able to find where these conversations are happening. Um, and just I just want to say that although I'm the team lead, I'm coordinating uh, a, a team of very high-level advanced Bitcoiners, both in the technology side, strategy side, um, and a ground team who's actively actually going to truckers and peer-to-peer -peer sending them Bitcoin uh, after helping them set up a wallet. So we're also regularly consulting with Bitcoiners on Twitter to make sure that we have everyone in the community pitching in at this effort because it really is a global effort. And if you want to see pictures of um, on-the-ground reality, uh, that is unfiltered. I am nobody caribou on Twitter. So the first, the first thing uh, is why Bitcoin? Why do we use Bitcoin? Right? Why didn't we use Canadian dollars? Why didn't we use traditional uh, conventional funding platforms? And I think part of that's already been answered by BJ. Um, we have a really clear financial objective for the Freedom Convoy, and that is to receive global donations from individuals who want to support the convoy in their, in their stand for freedom. 
and we need to be able to do that without any um, obstruction. And so as we've learned from GoFundMe, when you use a third-party platform to receive funds from donors, um, it creates a critical vulnerability with through censorship. And whether that's the company itself or whether that's governments or municipalities pressuring those companies, um, it can put things in jeopardy. And what we're learning is that even if we use a third-party donation platform that isn't a choke point and won't censor us, uh, the Canadian banking system is actually also a critical vulnerability because of the government control. So if we open a bank account, there is still Big Brother that can go there and have that shut down. Can I just interrupt? Yes. Uh, just as a side note and a, by way of example, part of the problem we were having at the initial setup with GoFundMe when they released $1 million to us, that's all they gave. 10.1, we got one. It went into our bank, TD Bank, by the way, and then they froze it. So here we are, drivers asking us, I need supplies, I need money, I need fuel, my DPF filter just failed, whatever it is, and now the bank has just decided, no, we're freezing your money. Um, we ended up you know, working at a deal, our lawyer stepped in and you know, took possession under trust and all that sort of stuff. But just because the money's given to you doesn't mean your bank also can't turn it off. And it's not like they didn't know what we were up to, right? It was, it was international news, so anyways. Yeah, no, that's an important point. And so for those unfamiliar with Bitcoin, as BJ mentioned, we all have to go down our own learning journeys to understand this. I think fundamentally, people don't understand money, and you have to understand money before you start to try and understand Bitcoin. Uh, so I'll give some resources at the end of this. Um, but for those unfamiliar with it, it's a global financial network that is uncensorable, permissionless, and when you custody it properly, it's unconfiscatable. And these are the three primary variables that are most relevant for us right now based on the challenges that we face so far. Um, I won't say more about Bitcoin, but what I want to do is to show the power of this technology, I'd like to share a couple of the messages that our donors um, that are attached to the donations we're receiving from the world, because I think these actually demonstrate the power of Bitcoin very potently. Uh, sipping a coffee and making my daily donation. Who will join me? Honk, honk. That was for 2,324 sats, which is $1.27 Canadian. Um, Go thanks for fighting for my freedom. 200 sats, 11 cents Canadian. America's next, Tucker told me so, 25,096 sats, 13,700 Canadian equivalent. The sat streaming shall continue until the freedom improves, 105 sats, 5 cents. Uh, just watched Ottawa police bullying a peaceful citizen, hope this helps with the lawsuit, 6942 sats, $3.80 Canadian. So I think those really show the true power of this platform. I even saw a message from a doctor in Nigeria who sent sats to support freedom. He did so without asking anyone permission. It could not be stopped. And he basically did it for free. A fraction of a fraction of a penny is what it cost him to send that. This is a technology that can do things that Visa Network and platforms like GoFundMe cannot. And so we've got over 4,400 donations made. I'll mention a few countries uh, that these donations have come from, just to show that this is actually a global movement, right? This is not Canadians and Americans. Finland, USA, Denmark, UK, Belarus, Switzerland, Norway, Nigeria, Spain, Ireland, Croatia, Australia, Nepal, South Africa, India, Ecuador, and then I stopped writing. So that gives you an idea of the true power that we're harnessing with this and why it's important. Um, you can follow Honk Honk Hodl, H-O-D-L, on Twitter. That has a link to the tally coin. 
and you can view all the messages yourself. Everything is transparent, everything coming in is shown, and it's pretty powerful. Um, and that's what makes Bitcoin an effective tool and why we're using it. I want to talk about how the Bitcoin will be used, and I, I think it's important to give some context. So I've been on the ground speaking to truckers and volunteers every day since this started. I've connected with several teams of people who provide me information about fuel, food, water, what actions police are taking. So I have a fairly good pulse on what's needed on the ground. And there's several categories of support that are needed by the truckers, right? You have um, things like food, water, diesel, everything I mentioned, um, accommodation, sanitation services, all these things. A big one that we're, that we're learning is legal protection. All of these things can get thrown at us. Most of them are unlawful and are frivolous, but it creates friction. And so this whole idea of being able to create a legal shield funded by the world of, of Bitcoiners to protect these truckers as they legally take a stand for freedom and exercise their charter right becomes a very powerful thing. So the Give, Send, Go is going to help um, provide materials to the convoy and essentially make disbursements so that these truckers have the cost of their journeys covered. And Bitcoin pr provides this extra monetary energy that we can determine where it needs to be allocated and we can do these things quickly, make these decisions quickly and on the fly as we see it needed. So our current strategy, and I should also say that the situation in Ottawa is very dynamic. Every hour things change, every day things change. And so where we aim this monetary pool changes along with the situation. And so what I say now may not hold true based on actions that might happen today, tomorrow, the next day, but this is the best we know right now. The ground team, we have a ground team sending truckers sats directly. Someone will go in, help a trucker set up a Bitcoin wallet on their phone and send them a bit of Bitcoin. Not very much, but enough to get them started and see the power of this technology. Um, hiring lawyers to form a legal shield, both defensively and offensively, to avoid some of the attacks we've been facing um, is another big one. And as things begin to change in the right direction and as we see all these dominoes falling and perhaps the legal action might not be as necessary, we also have the option to create something like a Bitcoin endowment for truckers. And just to give you an idea, nothing like this has been confirmed and we're gonna do this the Bitcoin way. I'm a Bitcoiner, I know what Bitcoiners would want to know and what is fair for them to know so that in full transparency they see what's being done in real time. I think it's only fair that the donors be able to receive this information. Um, but creating a fund that over time sends every trucker who contributed to this Freedom Convoy portions of Bitcoin every month until the endowment is liquidated completely, which could take years, becomes a very powerful way to show these truckers the appreciation for the sacrifices they've made and be able to really harness the power of Bitcoin because that can actually be done. I'm almost done. I'm sorry, this is boring, but I think the Bitcoin, my repre I represent the Bitcoin community and the Freedom Convoy. This is information Bitcoiners need to know to really get behind this because I think we're just getting started. Um, so we've talked about the legal side, the endowment side, sending truckers um, Bitcoin peer to peer from person to person right away to show the magic of this. Um, and what I will say is that every transaction that's done will be fully documented and transparent so that everyone knows what is happening in real time. I wanna talk about two more things. First one is why freedom money is important. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Vijay, because I think this is something that uh, few realize, but are realizing more and more. And then lastly, I just want to talk about some more technical details and considerations for the Bitcoin community. So uh, to all the boomers out there, maybe plug your ears, it won't take long, I promise. 
Um, I know Boomer Bitcoiners, so... Perfect. There you go. Bitcoin is for everyone. Bitcoin is for truckers, plumbers, janitors, lawyers. Bitcoin is for the millions, not for the millionaires. And I think we all need to um, remember that as we go through this. So, why does freedom money matter? Well, I think this movement that's going on right now has transcended the truckers, has transcended Ottawa, and has even transcended Canada. If we're observing what's going on around the world and emerging independently of this, but inspired by this. This is the frontline battle for freedom. And the fact that we have a global community of people who stand behind freedom, financial freedom, and they can support this in a way that can't be stopped, I think is very powerful. Um, and right now, the, the priority here in the mission is physical freedom, right? Like get our charter of rights restored. But I think that the momentum we're gaining from this can be used to push for what I think is the most important form of freedom, the most fundamental freedom, and that is freedom from financial censorship, individual, collective, all the above, right? We've faced a ton of that um, so far with GoFundMe and the government, and I think, you know, we're not truly free until we remove the control of pol that the control that politicians have over our money. Um, and we can use this opportunity to educate truckers, Canadians, and the world uh, about the importance of returning to a sound money standard and not digging ourselves into a debt that our kids are going to have to pay. Right? The politicians that are doing this now aren't going to be around when these debts have to be repaid, but they've been unhinged in creating mass amounts of money and giving the bill to the people that step in next. And I think this is a good opportunity to show what's going on and to help put, a, put an end to it. So financial freedom is the final boss. We're hitting physical freedom and the Charter of Rights right now, but I think this momentum can continue. Any thoughts on freedom money? I mean, you don't have to sell me on freedom. But yeah, 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 exactly. We've this all is... sacrificed a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I think let's open it up to everybody's questions. Sure. And uh, that may come about. I mean, thank you. I think you've, you've really explained it uh, on, on a base level that everybody understands. Uh, it can get quite complicated. And if you do end up going on that Bitcoin journey, uh, don't get intimidated. It's confusing in the beginning, and then it just becomes like second nature. The last, I'll save the technical stuff for a Bitcoin podcast I'm doing later. That's probably a better idea. But what I will say is that we are being very careful and very meticulous because we know there's a fundamental trade-off with Bitcoin. We need to protect the privacy of the people who donated. We also need to protect the privacy of the people who are going to be receiving these funds. And so it's a fine line to walk. We're going to be consulting the Bitcoin community regularly on Twitter uh, so that we can get everyone's input out in the open and fully transparent to figure out the best way to do this. Um, and we have an amazing team. The Bitcoin team is very generous. The Bitcoin team is very talented and very smart. Um, and however the funds end up being used, it's going to be a powerful way to show that the world is thanking these truckers for holding the line for the world um, and to show people the power of Bitcoin. So, yeah, I'm done. Right, just to moderate questions, if you put your hand up, you can have a question and then a follow-up. Do you mind just how do you square spell your name? N-I-C-K. Also, don't worry so much about question and follow-up. Okay. This is open. We okay. can have dialogue back and forth. No constraints. I'll stay here till 8 o'clock at night if I have to. But somebody's going to have to feed me some time while before the rest Yes. So with the media narrative now talking about Ottawa under siege, the insurrection, uh, we just spoke with Dr. Nagase West. Uh, he told me that what he's seeing on the news mainstream 
legacy media is that the situation looks like it's a morale killer for the truckers because of the negative publicity that's happening. What is really the morale of the truckers right now? I mean, we see, you see the opposite on the ground. And I give you the example of the, the truckers I spoke with on my way to the meeting last night when I was hobbling around. And yeah, maybe I primed them by looking ridiculous on crutches. But they were great. They were like, yeah, we're here. The thing is, people are saying truckers are, it's a different lifestyle. You have to be really patient. Uh, there's, it's so heavily regulated in terms of ELDs, DOTs, um, and the fact that these people are, most of them are small business owners, right? So, you know, when I talk to the government putting its boot on the throat of small business owners, well, those are the truckers. And, you know, there was, I'll give it by way of an example, I was sent to a call last month or whatever it was, I think it was Amazon, oh my god, they're so disorganized, they have no idea what they're doing. But I ended up sitting there for 30 hours for something that should have been five minutes. You get used to it, right? You have a Wi-Fi in the truck. You have basically have a house attached to you. I opened up my laptop, started editing podcasts for a couple of days, and we're, we're kind of used to that. So if they think, like I think the government is drastically in the media, drastically underestimating the resolve and patience of truckers. They are extremely patient, and no offense to the rest of you, but we see how you drive. It requires patience on our part. I think I can probably say two things only because I speak to truckers every day. Um, one couple, or they're a young uh, husband and wife, and they've been here every day since I've been here. Uh, they're having a great time. They're seeing, they sent me a text message the other day and said, I can't believe I can go without a mask in, yes. my, in a restaurant in my province. They're from Alberta. <laughs> So they are seeing the snow, the dominoes falling. They are getting re-energized. Another trucker I talked to, I said, you know, how are you doing? He's like, I'm shaved, I'm showered, I got a full belly, it's a beautiful day. That was his reply. So I don't think people actually realize what's happening on the ground. And the fact that as these dominoes start to fall, uh, and as these very resilient humans who are getting so much love and support, uh, keep seeing these things, the, the true things that are happening, and actually go outside and see all the smiles and love and have people coming up to their truck saying, please do not leave, my kids depend on this. If you think that some lies on, on the media are going to stop those people, uh, you should come down here and see for yourself, because they think and it's also, very different. And also, you see all these kids walking around with signs like, thank you truckers for saving me. Like, I mean, this, this was just three weeks ago, it was just a regular job. Now they become the heroes of Canada. I've, every kid I talk to, and there's lots of them, I've asked them, you going to be a trucker when you grow up? Yeah, I'm going to be a trucker, right? Now, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I've joked many times that we're, we're, we're solving the supply chain issue for the future, right? They're all motivated by it. It's great. Yeah, and it seemed that on the weekend, it was a, there was jubilation in the streets. It was a cross between all the flags, Canada Day, and a, a World Cup win for Team Canada. Yeah. Uh, it was fantastic. Now, what about the police officers? They're here on the ground. They're seeing how people are being respectful, cleaning up the city. Uh, there's no one being terrorized. Do you think any of the police are starting to be awakened to what's really happening and question the narrative? Well, yesterday there was a uh, staff sergeant for Ottawa Police who uh, was... And for those of us who are not in policing, that is a significant... That's like your CEO resigning. 
Um, I have family in policing, as many people in the trucking industry do. And uh, they're great on the ground level, but this has been a problem in policing for decades. Since all these police services boards were established, and the political parties get their friends in politics appointed to the police boards. So now you have you know, your, your, part, your police brass, they're all politicized, but everybody below that, they're, they're very much in support of us. And we're, we're very sympathetic to the fact that they're put in a difficult position because they understand we're fighting for their freedom and autonomy but they have some politicized jerk above them who wants to be the next liberal MP who's making political decisions. It's quite disgusting. I've heard about it for years. Uh, that's not a problem that's gonna be solved by this, uh, this protest or in the near future. But I'm hoping that becomes an issue in future elections and that we will have leaders that look at these police service boards and say it's time to take that model and chuck it and allow police to be police again. Thank you. Could you say anything to those who are concerned uh, about safety, who haven't been uh, privy to like, walking the streets of Ottawa? What's the morale like for these truckers? Can you give some context to those who haven't seen it? Um, I mean, you're surrounded by families. Like, we're getting so many messages now of people saying, I'm in Vancouver, I'm on my way to Ottawa this weekend or you know, I'm in Northern Ontario, whatever, thousands of them. And I'm bringing my kids, we're gonna to go to the bouncy castle on Parliament Hill, we wanna hear you guys speak. It's becoming a festival. So, I don't know if you're afraid of a festival, I don't know what to tell you. But the vibe is great, everybody's helping each other. I think the crime statistics that came out showed that crime has plummeted since the truckers are here. And, um, yeah, I don't know, if you're afraid of that, then, I don't know, stay home and put a mask on? It's yeah, if you're afraid of hugs and dance parties and free food yeah, exactly. and kids who actually get to play with other kids, uh, you definitely shouldn't. Oh yeah, and I've been told food has been plentiful. You know, a couple of my guys came back, you know, at the end of the day, we're having a meeting, I'm like, you hungry? They're going, no, everybody's been giving me food all day, everybody's having a barbecue, one guy in the back of his truck, I'm like, okay, fine. So yeah, it's been great. From, an, from the perspective of like, because I come here and I try and be an observer instead of, like, you know, I spend time t talking to people, but I try and observe. And what I get a pulse of is that the energy each week has a flow. On the weekend, it goes crazy high. Yeah. Tons of people migrate. It's very loud. It's very action-packed. And then as the week goes on, it comes into a lull, and then it goes up again the next weekend. And Wednesday is the most calm day. What I'm realizing is that is necessary because the truckers, to, to the weekend energy level cannot be sustainable. And so the weekdays are when they reorganize. I'm watching these little micro communities essentially pop up. Families will come, they'll bring trailers, they'll bring barbecues. You get these little hubs of people who are having communal meals together, right? This is like accelerated healing of people connecting, being so happy just to speak to someone and see their face. So the midweek is like we recal recalibrate, regroup, we recharge. The truckers get some rest, it's calmer and they get ready for the next weekend. And every weekend, the peak energy level and the amount of people flooding in gets bigger and bigger. And there's people who are forming new friendships, like I gave the, the, the example of the trucks. Uh, there are people who are falling in love. People are meeting each other, because it's not just 
men are here, that's everybody from society is here, and maybe we'll make a baby boom. <laughs> I don't know, that would be great. Freedom boom. Uh, we saw recently, since the mayor of Ottawa declared the state of emergency, um, now supplying truck with gas and as well fuel, it's now illegal action. Um, what is your action plan to provide them at least some fuel and gas and to protect them against that? So uh, a couple of things there. So first, the fuel that was has been seized, I got to get confirmation of this because we were just having a meeting about it. Apparently, it's being returned. That, that was not a good look for Ottawa police. And, you know, I suggest to Ottawa police that not only, as we've explained repeatedly over and over again, we're peaceful, we're just families, we're hanging out, but this is such a huge opportunity for policing globally where the radical left has been maligning police officers, defund the police, they're all bigots, they're all racist, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Here's the opportunity to actually show they're part of the community and they're going to work with the community and we're going to work with them. We're not at odds with each other. The, the, the job of the police is to protect the community. But if there's no threat and we're part of the community and yeah, okay, we're parked illegally. Oh well, it's not exactly going to uh, you know, cause society uh, to collapse sort of thing. You know, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. In so one of the teams that I talk to every day, I get a brief from them every morning, says there are no trucks not getting fuel. And um, I posted something on my Twitter because I thought it was brilliant. I haven't, I don't know if everyone's seen the Thomas Crown Affair, but basically to avoid getting spotted, they put the same hat on everyone. And there's a video of the day after it was claimed by the police that you are not allowed to bring jerry cans, I think they should be called freedom cans now, downtown, there are dozens and dozens of people having two jerry cans, freedom cans in each hand, and it's, it's brilliant. So nobody caribou's my Twitter, just go there to watch this because it is poetic beauty. Um, and, and what I saw firsthand was groups of people bringing these fuel cans up to truckers, walking right beside police, and nothing was done. So I think once again, what gets said by the top brass, what gets enforced by honorable individuals who are wearing uniforms, very different. You'll see a lot of this, you won't see a lot of this, but if you're on the ground, the, the bottom, the enforcement level dignity that officers are showing, saying, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna enforce this because it's not the right thing to do. You're gonna see more and more of that as officers are, ha are having to make more and more obvious choices. And I can tell you, trucks are being fueled. Canadian citizens are taking a beautiful stand to say, you can't stop this. Um, and so there's really, the fuel is not actually a concern. And also, if you've noticed, uh Mayor Watson, who we've named now Hunk Watson, um, came out with a statement yesterday that uh, it's time for the government to step up to the plate and start negotiating with the truckers. So once again, people ask morale, ask about morale when they see that, okay, they're finally realizing uh, we're not adversarial, we're here to talk, and that, that is the, the best direction for them, the best course of action. I think you're going to see that happen. And do you have any um, new development on the negotiation with the government? No. No updates yet. Uh, but when there is, we will let you know.
Just to clarify, we're getting a lot of comments saying that there was more gas seized today. Uh, that is not uh, that is not any information that you guys have heard yet. That's something I've heard, but you know, you have all these sorts of isolated incidences, where especially since all these teams of, I mean, gas cans of water could have been that too, because there was a lot of that going on. Uh, there's all these little isolated incidences, but then we're also getting it. You know, one hand we're getting it returned. That might be, be might be happening. I might be wrong. Uh, but everything is in flux. That's why it's, it's strange. Every hour to hour, things change. And it just seems, it's the signs of a government, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but that is desperate and doesn't know what to do when the obvious thing to do is just come talk to us. Or how about this? Just drop the mandates. Just drop the mandates, drop the passports. Simple. Everyone else in the world is doing it. I don't understand what they're holding on to this for. I also want to say that for every one thing you see of a police officer seizing fuel, there are 30 things you don't see of people walking by officers not getting their fuel confiscated. That's right. That's and on the monetary side, one thing I've been observing recently is for every one platform there is to funnel money to this effort to support the truckers, there are five different ways money is being transferred that we're not seeing. And I can tell you a few that I've seen firsthand. Tubs collecting cash. From people coming up, putting cash in the tub, that tub is getting distributed to the truckers. People going up to truckers, giving them $50 bills. I've seen this quite a bit. I saw a video of two kids that got their chore money. They had it in a little plastic bag and they gave it to a trucker. Uh, E-transfers, peer-to-peer. Um, gift cards being given to truckers. I can go on. I'm seeing this firsthand. So for every one funding method that we see, there's five other ones we don't see that are happening. And it's like the fuel. You can't stop the will of creative Canadians uh, when when the mission is this important. Um, I remember you saying the first presser that um, you were fully vaccinated, and I'm just wondering how many of the truckers here are fully vaccinated. I don't know. It's none of my business, mm -hmm. and I guess that's kind of the point. I mean, yeah. I know a, a number of them that have brought up and said. Yeah, I'm vaccinated. That's not the point. Okay, so there are truckers here who are vaccinated. Oh, yeah, yeah, lots of them. I mean, remember I said it's a very regulated industry? Right. So many of them didn't have a choice. Okay. Right? Especially if you're crossing the border. Okay. If you do cross border, you have to be vaccinated, unfortunately. And how many truckers are actually here in Ottawa? Do you have a rough estimate of how many there are? Not trucks, but truckers. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's the other thing. You brought up an interesting point. All of these, a lot of these pickup trucks that yeah. you see, depending if you're an owner operator and your insurance agreement, whatever, they can't actually drive their truck unless it's hooked up to a load or it's part of a delivery. Okay. So they go in their pickup truck and they drive there. So you know, oh, there's, look at all those cars, there's no trucks there. Like, yeah, their truck's at home in the lot and they're taking their personal vehicles. So there's a okay. lot of that that goes on as well. Okay. So, you know, how many? I don't know, I just got wind. There is another massive convoy Oh, really? Starting from Alberta, northern Alberta, okay. I think, that's making its way here. Of, I don't know if it's another 1,000 or 1,500 trucks that are on their way here. Okay. It's very hard to get a sense of scale. Sorry? Yeah. It's very hard to get a sense of scale of, unless you literally walk around Ottawa and count and check off the amount of vehicles. Yeah because there's vehicles that are out of Ottawa that are not being allowed in. There are farmers opening up their fields so that massive groups of trucks can go and create a little base there on Coventry Road. There's a lot of trucks. So just the sheer scale of a giant semi-truck, um, it's kind of hard to picture what 
50,000 trucks would look like. And certainly there are not 50,000 trucks in the downtown core because it would block off several square kilometers. Um, but there are a lot of people and there is so much, so many people flooding in. It seems like every weekend this continues to happen. People start coming from bigger and bigger catchment areas to the point where I've gotten a message that from a fellow Bitcoiner saying, I'm driving 10 hours to come to Ottawa this weekend. Yeah. And he didn't come last weekend, but he, he understands what's going on and the importance of this now. So I think we're going to see a bigger and bigger flood into the city. Um, and then back up convoys of groups of people who are coming to join and dig in and to support these truckers and essentially replace the truckers that can no longer stay. Just one last question. Um, there have been some news reports of children in trucks. I myself have seen some young kids in these trucks. Um, have you been telling the truckers that maybe, you know, you might want to keep your kids at home and in case the situation gets volatile or out of hand? Some, the thing is, a lot of these trucks, that's kind of their second home. There are a lot of people that take their family on the road. On the road, okay. Yeah. Um, it, there are also people who actually live in their truck. That's very common in the U.S. So, uh, and those trucks I've noticed, the few that I've seen, they have APUs, an auxiliary power unit. And those, those specific trucks, they can go for weeks and weeks and weeks just because the APU is there just to keep it heated or cooled in the winter and keep the electricity on. Right, without running the main engine. So once again, the fake news media is trying to build a narrative that oh, children are at risk, and children like stop. They gotta stop with the nonsense. It, these are not dumb people. People know how to live their lives, and a big part of trucking is pre-planning. And everybody who's come here has pre-planned and contingency plans for that sort of thing. And we also have uh, not only adopt a trucker where we have families all over Ottawa, the Ottawa region and Quebec, that have opened up their homes. You're gonna be nice, don't worry. They've adopted their homes, uh, opened up their homes and their beds for truckers or their families if they want. How many homes do you know? Uh, last I saw, I think a thousand, thousand if I saw. homes in Ottawa have opened up their homes. In, in uh, the families, Ottawa region yeah. and Quebec, okay. it's across the board. Okay. I might be wrong with mm -hmm. that number, but I remember seeing the database when I was in the command center. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Okay. Um, so we have a lot of that going on. We also have, you know, hotel rooms. And they all know if they need anything, if they need a place to stay, a place to shower, contact us. And most of them are like, yeah, we're good. We're okay. We'll let you know when we need something. Because we haven't gotten to that uh, stage uh, yet. Yeah. Just, just a tiny little nugget to add on that very quick. If you're a parent, I don't know who's a parent here, but if you're a parent and you have a child, would you want them to witness history in a safe environment where they can play with other kids on hay bales and be with you? Or would you rather them be away from you, not being able to interact with other kids, to have to put a mask on and to not be surrounded constantly by love? Yeah. So I think if you have to make that choice as a parent, uh, it seems like it would be an obvious choice, but it, and, and it makes it hilarious that the media would say it's a bad place for kids. Maybe they should just come and see what's happening. They might change their tone. Yeah. So one of the things I've noticed from being an independent journalist myself, as like most people here are, yeah. um, the response that they've censored us are going up and doing their live streams up and down the street. Um, and of course, as you're probably aware, there's a lot of people that are, sorry, there's a lot of bills that are in this in the parliament that are going to try to censor us even more 
what's your guys' take on what they're doing to try to prevent us from getting the truth out there? Listen, that's a whole other battle that we're involved in. I mean, freedom is not just limited to I can walk around without a diaper on my face. That also means the government doesn't own the internet. It's not yours. It's the people's. And they're going to learn that lesson very, very harshly, I think, uh, in the political sphere. Uh, there's a lot of will from the opposing and opposition powers. Um, you know, they've taken some incorrect views, and they're now starting to realize that, you know what? Freedom is pretty popular, especially freedom of speech, right? So I think it starts with this, and then this is going to fuel a lot of momentum in, uh, in other areas. Mm. But right now, you know, we need to focus on the goal of removing the mandates, removing the passports, and then we can go on to some of the next issues. And I think we're, I don't think it's too long until we're going to be in, uh, in another election, to be entirely honest. Sorry, there's some of us that need to go for another engagement. Okay. If this Q&A is going longer, can I leave? Can I? Okay. Thank don't you. want you anymore. No. <laughs> Thank you for your time. No, my pleasure. pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for being here. So we know that this has become the lightning rod for the world. The eyes of the world are on Canada, off Parliament Hill, Freedom Convoy, and there are people coming here on the weekends that are wanting to support you guys. Yeah. But we also know that there's accommodation problems. That hotels are being. Uh, left empty, people can't extend their stays, uh, reservations are being canceled. What would you suggest for the people that want to come up on the weekends that don't have a place to stay, that are looking, they're scrambling, but they really want to be up here to support you? A um, couple of things. First, plan ahead, as always. Um, I heard the rumors about hotel rooms being bought up by the city, and if that's so, well, there's your tax dollars being used for good purpose, right? That they're all always on about children and homeless shelters. They're going to waste it on hotels. Um, the nice thing is we live in a wonderful country that has a lot of beautiful small towns with bed and breakfasts and small hotels. If you plan ahead, there's a number of small businesses that have accommodations in the general area across the border that will accommodate you, I'm sure. Uh, just make sure to plan ahead. Plan as though you can't get a hotel room. What are you going to do? You know, a lot of people are going to come here, you know, just for the day. They'll drive early in the morning for four hours. They'll stay here till dinner time, and then they'll go home. I mean, that's, I think that's going to be uh, probably the lion's share of people, and then there will be another wave of people doing the same thing on, on Sunday. That works, too. You know? I think they just want to, they want to, the kids want to come and play in the bouncy castle on Parliament Hill. And they want to take pictures of the kids on the bouncy castle. And that's, you know, their way of protesting that they want freedom, they want their masks off, and they want their lives back. Thank you. Um, so the Ottawa Chief of Police has mentioned that they're working with financial institutions to attack other sources of funding. Um, I know you're going Bitcoin, Give, Send, Go. Do you think there's still a risk of funds being uh, seized or halted? Well, it's nice that the Ottawa police chief is not obsessed with us. This is what police do. They try to crack down on people who crowdfund with donations. He should retire now. Not tomorrow, now. He is a global embarrassment. Every opportunity we have to help reform what is done to policing, to policing over the past several years, that Ottawa police chief 
is flushing it down the toilet. And he's well known because he's from Toronto. We all know his background. And he has a very controversial background. You write for the Post Millennial? Got some interesting stuff on his file that he may not want to be public. I think from the Bitcoin perspective, what that gentleman might not understand is that technologically, they can't stop it. Right? If there is a choke point, the choke point will be exercised. But when we have a quorum of signers who have the private keys to be able to authorize transactions, um, and we don't divulge who those people are except to big donors so that they understand it's in good hands, it's pretty hard. It's not pretty hard, it's impossible. So you know, that's why we need this as a fail safe. Uh, if there are problems with banking, if there are problems with gifts and go, although things seem to be all, all good so far, um, we have a fail-safe. And we have a fail-safe with a community behind it that will see every single, single attempt that's made to stop this and will double down on every piece of corruption they witness. And so that's very powerful. And the other thing is, you know, with this defund the police nonsense, the Ottawa police chief is accelerating it. So if he wants to know why people are defunding, want defund the police, he's the reason. This guy's such a... Anyways. It's not really much so trying to, I think from a personal perspective, maybe trying to whittle out the ones that are the problems. Sure. You know. Like These are important. Because I mean, I'll, I'll say this from the perspective of being on the ground from yeah. day one here. Um, there's some good cops out there. Oh, for sure. And, the I mean, they're all good. I mean, I, I know there was one I saw the first couple of days. I haven't seen her too much the past few, this week at all. But, you know, she was on the corner smiling, laughing, carrying on with everybody as they walk by her and... They have been so awesome with us. <coughs> and it doesn't matter because there's a lot of police uh, uh, detachments here, OPP, uh, Toronto, Peel. They all have people here for whatever reason. Uh, but they've been awesome. I mean, sitting and joking with them and hanging like this. The thing, one of the problems with policing, just a little side story, I have somebody in my family who was, uh, has been a police officer for 25 years, okay? And when he went through police college, he took three, uh, three classes or three courses in, I think it was intelligence and surveillance, if I'm not mistaken. But he had 19 classes in anti-racism policing. This is what we've done to policing. The assumption that everybody is just, you're born race, it's ridiculous, it's nonsense. Um, I think we do need to go back to having real police forces and allowing them you know, not to be shackled by the political class, because that's what you're seeing. You're seeing you know, what Tom Quiggan refers to as de-policing, completely politicized police forces. But it's not the, front, the guys on the front, uh, the front lines it's the brass at the top, some of them, not, and not even, you know, this police chief is an example, but there's a lot of good police chiefs as well. Well, it's like, um, I've heard this saying many times, and I'll say it here, problem, no problem, what is a good cop's worst enemy? What? Take a guess. What do you think a good cop's worst enemy is? The bad cop. Yeah. Which there they, are very few of, but they get amplified the most. Yes. Oh, yeah, they do. So, yeah. yeah. But getting them out there, knowing they're there, gets rid of the problems that people are having with the police. Because then those good ones can actually do their jobs. 
I'm just hoping this police chief, despite you know my personal frustration with him, I hope he realizes that you're really on the wrong side of history. You got a lot of good people in your in your city. The morale of your police is in the toilet, and it's because of the rhetoric. And it's not necessary. You're here for the community to serve and protect, right? So I'm hoping that sort of wisdom will eventually prevail, but we'll see. Recently, um, we can see that a lot of people are investigated of the security of the children. What, what is your thought about, about It's that? a political tool. So it's the, uh, the fake news media trying to drum up a narrative, you know, oh, think of the children. They couldn't get us, you know, we're racist, we're white supremacists, we're violent, we're danger to the public. All of those things are completely disproven. All right, well, what's the next political movement we can do to try to get the broader public against the truckers? Oh, they're sacrificing children. It's like I just explained, it's completely ridiculous. And I was in a meeting last night with some truckers, and they, boy, were they offended by that. Like, really, really upset by that. Like, they, as I said, what other evil tactic is the government going to take until they realize we're the citizens they're supposed to represent? I think it's important to note too that a lot of the tactics that are used by legacy media are very advanced psychological tactics. I'm an undergrad in psychology and humans have this thing called the negativity bias. Bad news is always viewed much more than good news. They know that. They put one piece of bad news about children, everyone is going to put their eyeballs on that and they're not going to see everything else. So I think we all have to take some responsibility to knowing that humans are vulnerable to a negativity bias and make a really hard attempt at getting the broad picture and getting a balanced view of what is actually happening and not just getting zoned into the negative things that get put out. And just by way of uh, breaking news, another brave liberal MP has broken ranks with the party. Wow. So He says there are more like. MPs in the caucus who've just had enough. Oh, I know that. And are not going to pass the rest of our mandate like that. I know that yeah, Paula. Sorry if I'm not uh, pronouncing correctly. Dagny. Yeah. Is it the the one she's uh, involved? But she was used to work for the Liberal Party. Yeah, she was. Uh, as she's explained to me, uh, when she was 19 years old, it was the first you know political <laughs> engagement that she ever had, and she's like, I was 19. I didn't know. I'm new to it. Okay, I take her at a word. Um, she's actually been very helpful for me because I've been going crazy trying to keep everything, you know, under control and whatever. And she reached out. She was actually connected with, to me through some people in Tamara, and uh, she's been great. She's been great. And how she's uh, involved in your um... just helping me with with messaging and PR and stuff like that, uh, just because she's got relevant experience. And she's been doing it from you know, a young age. I'm going to be going in for surgery tomorrow. And apparently I'm going to be a little loopy for a couple of days on drugs. And so I just need somebody there that if I'm in bed and I need something done, I can send a message saying, send a message out, do this sort of thing. And everybody needs some sort of infrastructure. And she's actually, you know, she put a lot of effort into coming here. It was, it was a risk to all of us to do it. And uh, I'm not I'm not terribly concerned. And I actually said I responded to Ezra with that, and I said everybody's been 19 years old and done stupid things. Mm 
wrap up. Thanks for everyone for being here. Thank you. For Thank you. Thanks for telling the truth. This thing on? How does it work? How do you work this? I don't I, you, you stare you. What do you say? I need one of the kids. What? The kids know how to work. This. What? What? I can't hear. I can't hear either. Are we supposed mm. to hear ourselves on the video? Know. I don't know. Maybe I can see the problem. No. Oh, it's on. It's on. It's on. Okay. Hello, everybody. That's how my mom and dad do uh, do Zoom calls. You see their chin, or you'll see right up their nose. So thought we'd start with that. Yeah, but we're becoming those mom and dads who yes, do that. Yes, we are. Yes. Yes, and grandparents. He's, he's older. He's older. No. I'm only 26. <laughs> he's also 26. There you go. Well, good evening. Uh, it's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta, although I am in Ottawa, Ontario. And it's also Carrie from the Whistle Stop Cafe, and I guess I'm also in Ottawa, too. Apparently. Apparently, right here. Yes, exactly. And smelling yeah. and everything. So, a uh, lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, it's been a pretty interesting day, to say the least. Mm. The last few days, we've been dealing with constant... Um, has this happened? Has that happened? Is there cell service? What's going on? Oh my goodness, the SWAT team! And yes, the SWAT team was here. Uh, that was strange to see SWAT vans at every corner downtown. Yeah. Um, but apparently it's completely normal. Just like adverse I guess it is. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely normal. And so, was that a segue? Yes. Oh, adverse reaction segue. Mall cop. Can we talk? Can we, can we, can we, can we talk about that? You want to talk about that right away? I might as well. It was sure. on my list, but uh, that was a good segue. So we, at the stage today, we had a few speakers, and we had lots of guitar players. We had a trumpet player. And the musicians were awesome, by the way. They always are, and local talent, too. But uh, what they did was they had a candlelight vigil uh, at, uh, I think it was 445, for vaccine injuries. And uh, I don't think there was a dry eye anywhere around there. Uh, it really was candles, and they had bagpipes playing at the beginning, and they uh, told the stories of at least four that I can remember. And if you don't know the uh, Vaccine Injuries Report database, it's... Uh, V-A-E-R-S. V-A-E-R-S. Uh, it's actually vares.hhs.gov, and you have to log in, and I forget exactly what the stats were, but it was like... Uh, Thirty-six thousand injuries. Mind uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous, and it and it started with they immediately went for the uh, the one who passed away, and uh, there's no doubt in my mind that it was vaccine injury related that way, and lots of um, problems with legs, blood clots. Um, um, what's it called? Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy. Yeah. So. It was very interesting to hear them and to actually have people that were affected, um, not only them themselves, but to have people that um, were affected because they're friends or relatives. So I just wanted to point that out because that's, that's the other side that we're trying to get the message out that this is very important and con informed consent is a big part of this. However, I would like to point out um, that neither Carrie nor I are anti-vax no. by any stretch of the imagination. As a matter of fact, I will go on record as saying that I do believe that vaccines in the traditional sense of the word have saved lives. 
There you go. Absolutely. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. No. Um, I've been stuck with more vaccines than Angelina Jolie's been stuck with Botox injections. That's a lot. That is a, it is a lot. I think that's a lot. And also I think Angelina Jolie is great, by yes. the way. Yeah. Very nice work. Yeah. yeah. So the sculptor. Yes. Anyway, so yeah, my point is neither of us are anti-vax. What we are anti, though, we are 100% anti, can I say it? Sure. Bullshit. We are anti-bullshit. We believe in informed consent. We believe that people should um, have the facts and be allowed to ask questions without being uh, persecuted for it before making a decision like that. And I also will point out that yes, the VAERS database is not perfect, but it's the best tool that we have. And even the CDC acknowledges that it is a very, very useful tool for determining um, vaccine adverse reactions, which is important because we need to know if what we're putting in our bodies is safe. I mean, look at what happened with cigarettes. Years ago, they told you that cigarettes were completely safe. Your doctor recommends it. Nine out of 10 doctors recommend Marlboros for everything from headaches to sore throats. And here we are in 2022, and you know, the entire medical community pretty much blames, well not blames, but realizes that cigarettes have caused substantial damage to our health. So uh, the reason why we wanted to bring up the fact that there were people speaking uh, speaking about vaccine injuries at the stage today is because things like that aren't as far removed from you as you think. Every single, almost every speech that I've uh, uh, done where Roger Hodkinson has spoken, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, he always asks the crowd, how many people in this room know somebody who has died from or with COVID? And in most rooms, a couple people would have died, which is terrible. It's, It's sad that that's happening to people. The next question he asks is, how many people in this room know somebody that's had an adverse reaction or event after uh, the COVID-19 vaccine and a very large portion of the room or the room puts up their hands like a startling number of people put up their hands and no I don't think this is a reason to panic because a lot of these things are uh, a rash or uh, you know swollen or bruised arm things like that but there are some more serious things that have happened that need to be acknowledged by everyone right from our family doctors all the way up to the Prime Minister who bought and paid for cabillions of vaccines and now is trying to force them on Canadians any way he can. Yeah. Well, he's, he's bought them. It's kind of like you might as well use what you bought. Yeah, we bought them. Yes, exactly. And, and, and I also do believe that any vaccine should be available to anybody who wants it. If you feel like that's the right choice for you, go ahead and do it. If you're in an age group that um, where the benefit outweighs the risk, Go ahead and do it. That's your choice. The whole point of this convoy is that everybody should be free to make their own choices without being forced by the government through a man. Absolutely, absolutely. And and yes, uh, choosing between your job or the jab is being forced. That is, it's it's not a choice. That's I think it's called extortion or something, coercion. So speaking of uh, jobs, yesterday when. Fiora Kenny said that we were allowed to open up at 11.59 yesterday. So today, uh, the restrictions exemption program was uh, lifted in Alberta. So I know lots of restaurants are now open, hooray. 
but really that's all that was removed was restaurants um, gyms massage parlors I don't know what else what's a massage parlor <laughs> so all those types of businesses but the issue is is that I received well over a hundred emails today about people saying I still have to have a QR code for me to go to work and they're kind of all over the place whether they're working in healthcare uh, we even heard of a, a restaurant where uh, they're saying, no, nope, we're still going to do the restrictions exemption program because... Uh, ship and anchor. Yeah, because that's, that's what they're planning on doing. So, honestly, they have their, their freedom to do that, or at least I think they kind of... That's kind of what we're fighting for, I know. I, I'm going to... Yes, I'm going to give them the benefit of the exactly. doubt and yeah. say that they're probably just being prudent and taking their time to make sure that they make an informed decision. No. As to the path forward, yeah, and and they're not going to rush anything because they want to make the best decision. So maybe my mind, which is first. absolutely the opposite of what they're telling other people to do mm. with the jab. It's true. Like this same just place, go, just go and do it. This is this is a place that actually boos and heckles the Freedom Convoy as they march, or not that, Freedom Convoy, the Freedom March, march. through Calgary yeah, as they as Saturday. they walk through. That's Saturday. right, exactly. Yeah. So on one hand, they're telling you shut your freaking mouth and get the jab. Yeah. And on the other hand, they're saying, well, we just want to take our time, make sure we're making the right decision. You know, like give us some space here. Um, we're, we're, all, uh, we're all adults and we can make our own choices. Yeah. And just please be patient and keep bringing us your money. That's right. Doesn't make much sense to me. No. Speaking of marching by, which is also kind of related to drive-by, which was related to many convoys, it's a stretch, but okay. Yeah. So uh, I know that there's been drive-bys in uh, lots of major cities. Wait. Oh. I think we should just uh, we'll use a different phrase than drive-bys. Okay. Honk-bys. Honk-bys. Yes. Honk-bys. A drive-by like is a little bit different than a honk. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Honk a honk-by. Yeah. So they're uh, they're driving around honking, and uh, usually me, going me. around. Very good. Usually going around um, city hall or uh, places that are really busy, and from what I've heard, other vehicles are joining them. So they may start with fifty wow. vehicles, and then all of a sudden there's a thousand. Okay, that was the phone call you just had. That was a phone call I just had. That's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, so and that's definitely what this is, that's what this is a about. A lot of support. Definitely a lot of support. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that the Freedom Convoy, the truckers, have encouraged Canadians all over Canada and actually people all over the world, as mm, we've seen, yeah. uh, to stand up for themselves, to stand together and honk in unison, honk yeah. for freedom. Yeah. Although we're not honking in Ottawa right now because number one, uh, we really didn't want to piss off the people of Ottawa anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. And number two, uh, a judge actually signed an injunction saying that we can't honk, otherwise we for, will go to Gitmo. For 10 days. Yeah. And then who knows what happens after those 10 days because it only takes 10 days to flatten the honk. Oh, I get it. Yeah. So it could be perpetual. It, yeah, it could be. Yeah. On the 11th day, there was another injunction. Yeah. Yes, those judges really like to turn the injunctions up to 11. Yes. Anyway, um, yeah, that's awesome to see that people are actually doing this in other towns. And it's also extremely important because that's why this, that's why things are changing. It's because governments all over Canada are seeing that, hey, uh, the people really don't like this. They actually have had enough and we really should probably listen to them because number one, they vote for us and number two, they sign our paychecks. 
Number three, we don't want to end up in dumpsters like they do in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about violence and death. Like in the Ukraine, yeah. when their politicians are really, really, really garbage, they actually take them out of whatever the house is called there and they physically put them in a dumpster as a sign that they're taking out the trash. Yeah. Um, which is not how we do it in Canada, but the symbolism is amazing. Absolutely. So, uh, what else was there? The honking, the... Well, there was... Junction. I've got a bunch of notes here. Should I go through the notes logically? There's yes, no but I do want to point something out again. What's that? Uh, I ate, I dined in in a restaurant again today. Again today? Yes. We dined in yesterday. Yeah, we dined in all over the place. East Indian food. And yes, it was awesome. It was amazing. And awesome. the folks that uh, that are running these places, oftentimes we go in there and it's very, very slow. So we order a crap ton of food, way more than we can eat. Uh, we leave them a humongous tip and we share stories with them. Yeah. And we hear their stories, how the last two years have been for them. And uh, both parties are, are, um, are, are richer for it. Happy. Yeah, they're happy. happy. Very, very happy. Happy, happy. 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 Go ahead. Go ahead. Happy. Uh, the GoFundMe and Go Give Send Go. That was a question that has been asked many, many times. What's happened with the GoFundMe? What's happened with the Give Send Go? GoFundMe had a nuclear bomb dropped on it. Yes. Which really backfired on GoFundMe. Yeah. Which is hilarious because I love seeing cancel culture get canceled. Mm-hmm. It warms my heart. Yeah. And what's the value it gives and go now? Uh, I think it's over six million, maybe approaching seven million dollars. That's crazy. But that just goes to show that if people get the money back from the uh, GoFundMe, they're just rolling it over into that. Yeah. But and some people, you, you say it. No, you say it. Some people were motivated and so pissed off that that the left and GoFundMe and the city were trying to cancel this mm-hmm. that they doubled their donations. Yes. They gave GoFundMe a thousand dollars. They gave Give, Send, Go $2,000. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. For the truckers. That's right, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, one of the uh, um, one of the, the glitches with that is the access to the money. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, in the in the conversations we've had with, and, and I should point out, I'm not an organizer. I don't have any control or He's authority. He's not even a trucker. Okay, you drove a truck. I drove the whole I, way I here. can't drive a truck. I'm a trucker in spirit. Yeah. Um, I don't have any authority out here or anything like that, but I do ask a lot of questions, as you probably already know. And I, and I realized, I kind of knew this already, but I heard it firsthand that it's one thing to raise $10 million. It's entirely another thing to get $10 million and distribute it to, you know, 10,000 truckers. That's right. That is a huge job. So For various reasons. If you get, you raise the money, now you have to withdraw the money, put it in the bank account. Well, TD froze the bank account. So then they had to get lawyers in to unfreeze the bank account and move money around into trust with the lawyers and sign all these stupid agreements. Yeah. And then once that's all done, that's, that all is done, you have to set up a finance committee. Mm-hmm. And then everybody has to agree where the money goes. And then three people have to sign off. And then the accountant has to double check. Then the lawyers have to say yes. And then you can move a little bit of money out to where it's supposed to be. So it's a very long process. And it's... Honestly, that there's a reason for it because there's accountability and transparency Absolutely. and all that, yeah. Yeah. but it really slows down the process yeah. a lot. If somebody, if a trucker is here and they need to make a mortgage payment, they almost have to make the payment first in order to submit the receipt in order to get the payment paid. 
Well, the receipts would be more for like fuel and lodging and I repairs know, and stuff. Yes, but. just saying that that's kind of the logic behind it. Yes, that's the logic. Yeah. The logic is logical, but really, on a common sense perspective, it doesn't really make much sense. So having said all that, what is your suggestion on that? Well, um, in conversations I've had with some people who actually know things, it sounds like they've got that hashed out and they have some people who are helping mm -hmm. and that just have cash. That's the other thing. If you're a billionaire, Elon Musk. That would help. Why don't you just throw someone like a couple hundred thousand dollars so that they can use it to do these things and then get it back later once the money's moved around the way it needs to move around? That would be wonderful. Yeah. There's so many people in this country and in, in North America, around the globe, that would not even miss... They probably don't even know if they lose a million dollars. Mark Zuckerberg yeah. lost... Two, two hundred billion or something. Yeah, like 30, did, 30 did billion dollars in one day. creeping off this side? I'm going to move this. It might fall over. There yeah, go. there's a lot of people that wouldn't miss a million dollars. And some of them have been very supportive with this, like donating huge amounts of money. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, but Anonymous donors too. That, yeah. But the reason why things aren't even rolling here is because there are some very, very awesome individuals uh -huh. who have lots of money. Uh -huh. And they've said, you know what? We're going to step up and we're going to write some humongous checks here, pay all these bills. Get you guys taken care of, yeah. and we'll deal with moving the fundraising money after. That's true. So yeah. that's what's happening, and that's why yeah. uh, the group has started to be able to get some money on the streets to the truckers who really, really need it right now. That's right. Yeah. And what have you been doing about that? Absolutely nothing. No, you haven't done anything. No, that's not true. So what we did is when we kind of got the idea that the GoFundMe was in big trouble and possibly not going to be uh, accessible. Mm -hmm. We put out a call through wsfullsteamahead.org and through just me uh, as the Whistle Stop Cafe. Mm -hmm. uh, and we said that if people wanted to get money to the truckers, they could send it to us. Yeah. And we would do our best to get it where it needed to go and use it the most efficient yeah. and responsible way possible. Which sometimes means that we go for lunch and leave a struggling restaurant a $250 tip. Yeah. Because we want true. the people of Ottawa and the businesses here... We want them to know that we appreciate them hosting yeah. our demonstration. Yeah. So that's something that we do every once in a while. Um, the other things that we've done is, I'm gonna get all the stuff that we've done that would be considered for us first. So I had to buy a selfie stick. Oh yeah, okay, buy a selfie stick. stick so that we can do And this. we paid for a couple of nights of hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. And then we did things like, uh, we were talking to one of the truck, uh, the block captains, he said that there's some guys that really need some cash. So I said, what's your email address? We yeah. sent him 2,500 bucks and yeah. said, here, get it where it needs to go. Yeah. Get it to the block captain. And if somebody is really in need, you just give them the cash, no questions asked. We don't care. Yeah. People gave it to us to use it where it needs to be. So they do that. It. Yes, absolutely. Um, then we had some conversations and said, is this something that you need us to do? Do you need us to go door to door and actually put a few hundred dollars in people's hands? And they said, yes, that'd be wonderful. So. That's what we did. We got out some cash, and we haven't done it yet because it was late in the day, but we're just going to walk truck to truck and hand people cash. Yeah. So the money that you have sent uh, either... Actually, none of the full steam ahead stuff yet. No. no the money that you have sent via e-transfers to either me or the whistle stop is going either directly into the trucker's hands in the form of cash, yeah. or it's going to help out a business that might be struggling in Ottawa due to the restrictions, yeah. as mine did. Yeah. 
or it might be going to something like um, something they need for audio or whatever at the stage. Just little incidentals that are more difficult to go to the finance committee and say, hey, you know, we need $42 for this cable. Yeah. Okay, well, we should have that $42 for you in about three weeks. And that's exactly well, that doesn't really work. That's exactly the way it is, yeah. So um, the finance committee and that is, is kind of, they're very professional and they're very transparent and accountable. Mm -hmm. And they, they're like, here's all the money and we need to make sure we know where everything goes. And I'm like, hey, truckers, here's some money and a leaf blower and I blow it into the crowd nice. and they just take it because nice. really, yes. We need whatever. a video of that. We should do that. We should do that. Can we get one dollar bills? One of those uh, shirt launchers. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think we should. Let's get one U.S. one dollar bills because I can't afford to do it with anything else. Okay, yeah, that's right. The one dollar bills. So anyway, yes, uh, we are getting money out to the truckers, and we're doing what we can where we can to help with that money that you've sent us. Yes. And no, we are not doing dramatic. Uh, hey, here's ten thousand dollars for you, or ten thousand dollars for you. Number one, because we didn't raise that kind of money. And number two, we're trying to make sure that it gets used responsibly and efficiently and where, where it needs to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you think I need to talk about yeah, it anymore? It feels good about it. No. No. It's awesome. Yeah. And I do point out when we do this that this is not my money. I mean, a little bit of it is, but not nearly as much as other people's. I point out that this isn't from me. This is from the people yeah. who just, they, own, they just trusted me with their money mm -hmm. to get it to you. So the thanks doesn't go to me. The thanks goes to the... Uh, Dozens or dozens, yeah. dozens of people dozens that, that sent yeah. their own yeah. money for us to do yes, that. So absolutely. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, you are absolutely making a big difference in people's lives. Yes. So the other thing that happened yesterday was, yes, Justin Trudeau walked out of uh, Parliament. And do you know where he went? Hey, what are you drinking? Root beer. Do you know where JT went? Oh, yeah. He went to Geneva, which is really ironic. Do you know why? Tell me. Because the Geneva Convention, to which uh, Canada is a signatory, actually states that it is illegal, completely illegal, to interfere with anybody this, supporting a protester. This is mine, it's not his. That's what? Not. Seriously? Yes. So the Ottawa Police Service and, and, and the other police services broke the law by interfering with protests by by removing a supply chain that was assisting a protester. Mm -hmm. They broke the law according to the Geneva Convention. And then Justin Trudeau, the bonehead, walks out of the House of Commons in the middle of question period and flies to Geneva. You can't even write this stuff. No. It writes itself. Like this is why reality TV is has been so much better than everything else for years. Yeah is because reality is so much crazier than fiction. I know, I don't, right? I don't know. But we have two liberal MPs now speaking out. Yes, we do. We have, uh, what are their names? Joel Lightbound and Eve Robillard. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And we said that. We said the Conservative Caucus is pretty unified in their yeah. support of the convoy, yeah. and all we need to do is convince some of these other good people yeah. in positions in other parties to yeah. speak out, yeah. and we can we can change the world. We should get them on a live. Wonder if we could. I wonder. So if uh, Joel or Eve wanted to come on this amazing show, get a hold of Chris. Well, we wouldn't be too hard on them. No, no, not too. 
We'll tread lightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can be very, very political. Yeah. Yeah, politically correct. Uh, I guess now we can do the uh, ask, quick, ask Chris, or ask is Chris. there anything else? That was uh, it? No, I'm just going to enjoy my, you know, Michelob's Ultra. Yeah. Uh, a smooth, ultralight beer that tastes kind of like soda water, but is ultimately refreshing and only 67 calories per bottle. Tastes like water. It really does. Um, why aren't you guys all sick by now with COVID? How do you know we're not? Stupid question. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. It's not a stupid question. No, no, it's not. Um, why are we not all sick with COVID? Well, if Omicron is as contagious as what they say it is, and I do believe it is because men like Paul Alexander, Peter McCullough, Roger Hodgkinson, Byron Bridle, they have said that, yes, it is very contagious. Yes. If that is the case, then it is very unlikely that there is anybody here who hasn't had Omicron. That's true. And yet nobody has been sick. I mean, I had a sore throat, but I don't know if it was from the cold or from yelling or from Omicron. Or from drinking too much. I know people that have had colds. Um, was it Omicron? I don't know. But something that contagious with crowds this size, statistically, you would say that everybody has it? One of the, Yes, and one of the doctors actually said that uh, you'd almost have to be in the same room with somebody for 15 minutes. Ah, outside right. is different. Outside is totally outside because it's uh, there's no roof over your head. Yeah. yeah. So how come we don't all have COVID? Uh, I don't know. I think the question, the better question is, why are the hospitals not overwhelmed? That is better. That's a better question. And on that note, I will mention that <coughs> CTV in their infinite wisdom, and I have another CTV story that I can't wait to tell. CTV in their infinite wisdom ran a story saying, uh, Freedom Convoy 2022... Freedom Convoy 2022 um, is overwhelming Ottawa hospitals. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't because we're, there were a bunch of sick people going there. It was because it was overwhelming because people couldn't travel downtown easily. Mm, that is very true. But yet now they could. Easily. Have you walked around? We've walked around downtown. We've driven downtown. Yeah. Actually, we did drive downtown. The issue we've got right now is we can't get into downtown because they've only got two bridges, no, maybe even one bridge, and off the 417 into downtown open. Yeah, it's but, not, and it's not trucks, it's the police. But everyone can drive out, Rap so a little difficult to get into downtown, really easy to get out. Yeah, and and if there wasn't barricades and police cars everywhere, yeah. um, you would be able to travel downtown Ottawa, no problem. <coughs> maybe I'm sick. I don't know, quick coffee. Sorry. So, uh, should I tell the CTV story now, or is yes. there something else we no, have? No, no. Okay, so I'll today, I had the honor and the privilege and the pleasure of attending a press conference uh, that the Freedom Convoy organizers hosted, along with a bunch of other independent media. And I'm actually not a journalist or media or anything. I'm just a guy with a cell phone uh, with a big mouth and a large audience. So, I got to go to this thing. So, I, come up, I go up the elevator, and I'm in the hallway of the hotel. Uh, this occurred in a hotel room. And I get out of the elevator and there's a CTV news crew sitting there, all bundled up and with their, I think they were wearing multiple masks, not that I care. No. Um, but they obviously seemed out of place in this situation. Absolutely. And they're looking very important and well-dressed and their shoes were shiny and they had, you know, their belts matched their shoes and they had all sorts of, <laughs> yeah, my shoes were dirty. My shoe looks like this. They, they had all sorts of equipment. And I said, hey guys, how's it going? And they're like, oh, it's good. It's good. 
And somebody opened the door to go in the room where they were holding press conference. And immediately, CTV's cameras are rolling. Their microphones are out. How come we're not allowed in the room? Uh, don't you guys believe in freedom? What's going on here? We're entitled. We're journalists. We're entitled to be in there. Why can't we be in there? And they're just losing their collective shit. They are really Over crazy. not being allowed in this room. Because they want to be in there reporting on the news. And I'm standing back thinking, like, this. I love this show. The show was great because... CTV, I'm sure, has a lot of great men and women working for them who better start standing up because you're going to be in big trouble mm -hmm. employment-wise if you don't soon. Uh, but the problem is they keep putting out hit pieces on everything from the organizers to the entire Freedom Convoy itself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to, um, like, everything. They, yeah. they're, they're spin doctors for the Trudeau government. Yeah. And they have the nerve to ask why they're not allowed in this press conference. So... Then there's me wearing blue jeans, dirty shoes, and a hoodie that says Rebel with a Cause. Mm -hmm. Whistle Stop Cafe on the back. I march up to the door, knock, knock, knock on the door, and the cameras are rolling. CTV's yes. still rolling yeah, behind me, yeah. probably seeing the Whistle Stop Cafe on my back. And they've done hit pieces on me, too. Yeah, that's right. I knock on the door, they, open the, or they say, who is it? I say, it's Chris Scott. Mm -hmm. And they open the door, I wander in, with CTV left out in the cold in the hallway, Wondering why they're not allowed to be in there reporting the news. Well, and, and likewise, I couldn't tell who they were from CTV because they looked like this. Yeah. 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 And really, you, who cares if they're, who cares if someone's going to wear a mask? Yeah. The point is that if you're going to ask to report the news, you report the damn news. Yeah. You don't act as a propaganda arm for Trudeau. Yeah. And I don't know, they just can't get this through their head. People don't like them anymore. They're irrelevant. We didn't need CTV News to be in there reporting on the, on this uh, Freedom Convoy because there's independent media in there who collectively have a much broader and larger audience than CTV does anyway. I have 100,000 people watching my cafe page. That's true. Do, do, we re do you really think we need CTV to come in there and do a little hit piece in the corner of a, of a, of a, of a shot where 30,000 people see it? So, but the other interesting, well, I mean, kind of an interesting thing. So, yeah, we've got, you know, CBC and, and CTV Global, we're calling them legacy media. And then we have the Western Standard, who used a screenshot from your video today. No, I actually texted them. I said, oh, I'm in you? this okay. presser. Yeah. Uh, feel free to use my video yeah. as you see fit. Yeah. Not asking them for any money. I'm yeah. saying, here is the news as I'm capturing it. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Put it on your platform. I sent it out to a couple other outlets as well, and yeah. I think they ran it. Nice. So, there you go. Yeah, because Individual. They, Because instead of... CTV would have written some stupid diatribe about how um, it's a Bitcoin scam now because they mm -hmm. mentioned Bitcoin. Yeah. And they would have cut out a little piece and put it in there where they're talking about Bitcoin. Yeah. Western Standard, they just embedded the video, they trimmed it up oh, a little yes, bit yeah, so yeah, it looked yeah, nice. Yeah. They embedded it in their page and they let you watch it yeah. and they let you make up your own mind. That's right. That's journalism. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's a big difference between journalism and uh, spin doctoring. Mm -hmm. Is that the is that? There's accurate? actually been a few people that have said spin doctors yeah. in, in here. Um, so there's two other things people were asking about. So the fuel that they took away from the trucks, did they get the fuel back? Yes, they did. They did get the fuel back. 
according to Chris. Yeah, because it was illegal for them to take it, because you cannot interfere with the supply chain to a protest. There you go. Yeah. Idiots. So I also heard that New Brunswick is doing the same sort of thing, that yeah. they're saying that you can't give water or fuel or anything like that, and it's a $3,000 fine if you do. You know what, New Brunswick? Stand up. Yeah. Tell your provincial government enough is enough. Yeah. Take your fines and sue the ever-living piss out of your government yeah. for doing what they're doing to you because they are in the wrong. Yeah. You are right. You're a Canadian. You have the right to protest. And the Constitution is the supreme law of Canada. And there is no municipal or provincial law that overrules that. So you tell your premier or whatever municipality said that, they can take that $3,000 fine, they can shove it up their ass, and you'll see them in court. Exactly. Very good. I'm a little fired up about that. Maybe cool down with a beer. See, we do have two. So here was another question about, uh, and I've, there a few people have said this: Is it true they're sending social services in about the kids? So if if one parent decides that uh, their uh, their child should be vaccinated, and the other parent decides not, it seems that social services is coming in, and they're actually saying. They're siding with the parent that wants them vaccinated. Which is exactly why we have a lot of work to do yeah. and we need to remove a lot of authority that we've given over to our governments in yeah. the last few years. Yeah. No, that's... But this was more of a tool. So they're trying to use child welfare and social services as a means to disperse the protest. Mm -hmm. So do you remember a few days ago you started hearing, hey, there's families in these trucks. Yes. Like there's kids in there. There is, actually. <clears throat> so the government's like, aha! We're going to say that the kids are in danger and we're going to take the kids away if they don't disperse the protest. Idiots. Do you really believe for one minute that this group would allow social services to come in and do that? No. That's a bad idea. Number one, there is zero justification for it. Some of these families, like the ones from the States, they actually live in their trucks. Yes, they do. That's a thing. Yeah, they, right. they, they're set up. It is their home. And you um, should see the inside of some of these trucks. Yeah, and you it, it's do not an like... expose on that, because it is, like, amazing. Yeah, it's they're not like, like they're throwing a, a sleeping bag in the back of their no. 1969 Plymouth uh, station wagon. Rambler. These rigs are built for this. Yeah. They're built to code. They're safe. If they weren't safe, truckers wouldn't be allowed to stay in them for months or years yeah. at a time yeah. when they work. Yeah. So this idea that, oh, the kids might be exposed to carbon dioxide from the diesel exhaust mm -hmm. give your heads a shake like this is what this is what the government has reduced themselves to um, nitpicking these stupid little things mm -hmm. to try and exercise some sort of imaginary authority that they think they have mm -hmm. over over families yeah. I'm actually foaming at the mouth because it's so so there was also another announcement from Kenny and it was based on a tweet that uh, he had about the teachers association <clears throat> Ah, yes. Yes. So, from what I remember of that, it was uh, the teacher association was basically saying, wait, you're letting kids not wear masks? That's against our safety, and we want all the kids to be wearing masks again. And Kenny replied back saying that, wait a minute, the teachers are all triple vaxxed, they're all wearing masks, what's the issue? Instead, you're you're using the, the kids as a... As, as a tool. As a tool. As, as a, a political tool. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was... And 
and what makes this so so bad is that these are educators. Yes, you're right. These are the people that are shaping the minds of our children. Yeah. People who actually said to the said to the government, "Don't take the masks off the kids because we need to be safe even though we've gotten three shots. Yeah. Wear a mask, use hand sanitizers 18 times a day and listen to everything the government says." Yeah. So we can be protected. The kids now need to protect us by wearing a mask that we're wearing anyway, and we don't trust enough to wear that one and let the kids not wear one because ours doesn't work, but theirs will, so put the mask on them. Yeah. Some people need to be fired. Yeah. Now, you're, here's something that you're, if you're, if you got a screen recorder, record this, or watch it later. Do you want to record this? Yes, you can. Because you're not going to hear this from me very often. Jason Kenny, I am proud of you. Did it look like I fell off my chair? Are you okay? I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you okay. CPR again, you faker. <laughs> I was actually proud of Jason Kenny when I watched him say, leave the kids alone. Because I've said on occasion, numerous times, that Jason Kenny is a poll hound. He'll do whatever mm -hmm. he has to do to win an election, and if the polls say to um, uh, play Velcro kitten with some, some kittens, not as whatever whatever the polls say he'll do it no matter if it's ethical or not yeah in this case i think him saying that actually was harmful to his polls mm -hmm. because remember these unions um they're normally heavily ndp supportive not all mm -hmm. but heavily and that's a place where the ucp has really tried hard to gain some ground and by siding with the kids against the union Jason Kenney actually cost himself some votes, in my opinion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, in this case, he's not chasing the polls. I think he's actually drawn a line in the sand and said, you know what? Just leave the kids. And I know he didn't before, um, and I'm going to do what I can do to hold him accountable for what he's done in the past, but at least today, he said something right. And I did encourage people to send him some love for that because, and that, you know, it's not, mm -hmm. it's partially because I'm a human being and he is as well, but it's more so that in the political world, if you want your politicians to continue doing the things that you are happy they did, you need to send them encouragement and support and have your voices heard when they do those things. Mm -hmm. Don't limit your conversations and your dialogue with your politicians to when you're mad at them. When they do something right, you have to be encouraging. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, the other side was, they were on it. They were phoning right away. Yeah. with two phones yeah. at the same time. Yeah. That one lady, one eye was looking at one screen, yeah. the other eye was on the other. They were both sending different emails because she's ambidextrous as well. Wow. And the uproar that that he faced for saying that at uh, taking mask off the kids was probably very loud very loud a lot. so it is our job to also be loud with encouragement when they're taking the right path mm -hmm. even though we may not like them or even though we may be really upset with what they've done to us in the past we worry about the past when we can and we focus on the future or the future we focus on the present and what we can do today to make a difference right now. 
I hope that was clear enough. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I was told that uh, CBC was at the press conference today and George Billings recorded it. I just did a search for George Billings and because I don't watch CBC, I have no idea who he is. Isn't George Billings Freedom George? I don't know. That's Freedom George. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Is that his last name? I have no idea. Oh. I'm, I'm going to be really embarrassed now because this is live and he's watching it. And yeah. if I got his last name okay. wrong, I'm going to feel really bad because he's a really nice guy. Hi, George. Hey, Hi. George. Yeah. Uh, CTV News is removing decals off their vehicles. That's prudent. That I can actually see that happening because I haven't really seen one. As a matter of fact, when we did see CTV, um, not today, but when they were just walking around the grounds. No labels. No labels on the cameras. And before, they were so proud to wear their CTV yeah. decaled yeah. masks. No, they're not. Yeah. And here's a question to, uh, to those news media outlets. If you have to take off your decals and try to hide and not identify who you are, have you really been making the right choices and taking the right path journalistically? Uh, if, if the country is starting to hate you and realize that you're lying to them and causing them extreme grief, yeah. maybe you should take a different path. Because the Canadian Media Fund will only feed you as long as us taxpayers allow it to. And guess what? People like me, who have a bone to pick with you are going to do everything they can to take that Canadian media fund and flush it down the toilet so that there's no more ammunition for any government anywhere to use media as their propaganda arm. I feel hmm. like I have to get close to the camera too. <laughs> I feel like Bob and Doug McKenzie. <laughs> We've had a lot of that. Okay, we're not doing that because I think that's trademarked. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's lots of questions again, too. Uh, oh, Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, you might as well talk okay, about that. Okay, so, um, Bitcoin. There was a lot of comments and questions while I was recording that press release about the Bitcoin. Oh, here comes a scam. Oh, the Bitcoin thing. No, relax. Just like everything else in this Freedom Convoy, the military showing up, um, them, well, they did raid the fuel. Yes. But the cell phone blackouts, yeah. the dragging truckers out of their trucks, the impounding trucks, all the stuff. Calm down. Bitcoin has become a very credible and stable monetary platform. That being said, um, right after I started mining Bitcoin, mm -hmm. a little bit, just with my computer, <coughs> yeah. um, it dropped $10,000 of Bitcoin. But anyway, let's not talk about that. Yeah. So, the reason that they've started doing some fundraising using a Bitcoin platform is because Bitcoin is untouchable by pretty much anybody. If Carrie and I do a Bitcoin transaction, nobody but Carrie and I is involved in that. No government, no nothing. Yeah. They can't touch it. They can't go after it. They can't do anything. It's not a, it's not a, what's it called? A fiat currency. It is a, it's a cryptocurrency not governed by anything. And the beautiful part about that is if you, if Carrie pays me in Bitcoin and some organization says, well, I don't like that Carrie paid Chris or gave Chris money for doing this or speaking out about this. So I'm going to go after the money. You can't, you can't do that. It's just mm -hmm. not possible because it exists as only as a transaction between us, yeah. which means it's very safe. Um, one of the questions that came up the most was once a trucker gets Bitcoin, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to go to the store and buy stuff with Bitcoin? Well, actually, yes, you can do that. 
especially in a city like Ottawa or Toronto. There's lots of stores mm -hmm. that accept Bitcoin. Going a little bit further, there's the argument that the Bitcoin is making people transition into a cashless society, which is evil and end time stuff. And you know what? I don't know. Um, I'm kind of focused more on what's happening tomorrow and next week than if Bitcoin is going to cause the collapse of civilization. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to. And I think in this moment that it's probably a pretty good tool to use uh, so that we can get people money and things that they need when they need it. Because you can also uh, accept Bitcoin into your Bitcoin wallet and then you can cash it and exchange it for Canadian currency and have it deposited in your bank. That's right. So yes, you can absolutely pay for things with Bitcoin or you can change it into Canadian dollars or American dollars or whatever and put it in your bank account and use it as you see fit. So the whole Bitcoin idea, um, it's very, it's so new that not a lot of people know enough about it to really get on board right away, but they've already raised 880,000 US yeah. in Bitcoin. And they actually made an announcement on the stage yesterday and today about how you can actually make donations through Bitcoin. Yeah, there's I QR forget what codes. it is. It's a Q, it, yeah, it's a QR code and it's got some really long tag thing, so uh, maybe we'll uh, post some of that up on the on Facebook page. Or you can, so that's on the Adopt-A-Trucker website. You yes. can find it on there too. And it's probably easier to go there and do it because then you can click on the wallet link yes. or copy and paste. That's a better idea. And the links are like, they're long. It's, I don't know, 256 or 512 characters yeah. or something. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So yes, it's safe. It's easy to use. It's fairly stable. Um, it just, I don't know what it's at right now, but over the last two months, it's dropped $10,000 per Bitcoin. Uh, so it went from $58,000 down to $48,000, which sounds scary, but at $48,000, it is likely very stable for the near future. Yeah. So it's not a bad idea to make donations of Bitcoin. So here's, a, here's another uh, off topic. We're getting back to the topic about teachers. Um, a comment was, you shouldn't be talking badly about the teachers and spreading wrong information about them being triple vaccinated. That's actually what uh, Fear Kenny said. He yeah, said, and you actually have to be triple vaccinated or double vaxxed to have a job teaching right now. Yeah, yeah. All the other ones got fired or resigned. Yeah. And they've started up teaching pods yeah. where parents who didn't want their kids masked and bullied and harassed about vaccines in school yeah. hired these teachers and set up schoolhouses and they're doing private schools. That's right. So the ones that are left, yes, are very likely yeah. um, fully semi-automatically protected. It's true. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I don't have a problem with teachers. I have a problem with teachers who can't use logic. Mm -hmm. And if a teacher can't recognize the fallacy in asking a child to wear a mask when they should be fully protected yeah. with all of the things they've done to themselves, even if they weren't fully protected, don't you dare tell my child to do something to themselves so that you're protected. You're an adult. You take the chances. You take the risks, not the children, mm -hmm. teacher or not. And the ones that I really have a problem with are the, are the uh, folks in the unions who are pushing for this. Because they are nothing more than political shills. They don't care about the kids. The union bosses and stuff like that that are promoting this garbage, they they care about going against the UCP government because they want to see an NDP government back in. Mm -hmm. 
it's not because they think that the teachers are actually at risk. If they, if they really think that the teachers are at risk from that child, with the statistics we've seen now, they should be fired like yesterday because there's, there's like zero cognitive ability there. Very frustrating. I'm just playing Tetris on my phone. So just... he, he actually is. Yeah. Damn. So I'm, just, I'm scrolling through the comments. Is that your girlfriend? Scrolling. Yeah. Oh. What? Scrolling through the comments. So what else happened today? Uh, we dined in a restaurant. That was great. <coughs> I, did, I tried I, to get a haircut, but we were too late. Would they have normally been open had they had this been... No. Cool? We walked past and they had some people in the chair and I didn't want to bother oh, them. Okay. So I thought I'd go back later, but we just took too long. Now we're doing laundry. What? Jess said nice beaver. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just the beaver. Yeah. Isn't it hey, nice beaver. Yeah. Thanks. I just had it stuffed. <laughs> that was from uh, Naked, Naked Gut. Naked yeah. Gut. Man, I miss that guy. He I was know. Leslie Nielsen? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Although I never really appreciated the dry, sarcastic humor. No. It sucks. Yeah. There you go. Is that all for now? I think so. Yeah. Uh, there was one other thing. What the heck? What do we want to talk about? You never write down notes. You never tell me what you're going to talk about. Completely unscripted. Which is why it sucks. You never tell me. You never tell me what he wants. Listen here, young man. Don't hit me again! I'm kidding. kidding. I'm kidding. He never hits me. And when I do, he enjoys it. Yeah. It's a different thing altogether. Wow. Um, I think we can sign off. You want to sign off? Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. I think. But there really was something else that I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to hit the finish button. And then you're. And, and then, then we may gonna... have to come back at you. Yeah, but that's right. boring because yeah. then nobody wants to go find a notification. So why don't we sign off? Yet. Say we're going to sign off, and then we watch the viewership drop, and then we'll come back and say, "Hey, you guys that are still here." Oh, it's like an Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's an Easter? Egg? Signing off. Ick. Just kidding. You, okay. <laughs> you still don't know what you're talking about, do you? I think that was actually. <laughs> I think that was. All right. Anyway, so yes, in closing, um, please take time to encourage those who stand up and speak out and do the right thing, even though they may not have done that in the past. Continue to push back against those who are doing evil things and trying to continue to make our children live in fear. Yeah. Um, keep the peace get down to Ottawa and enjoy what's happening here because it's not going to happen forever and you really 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 it's like Canada Day on steroids it's yes it absolutely is although I've never been here for Canada Day but I've been to other Canada Day and I've never days. had steroids so I don't me neither yeah I just you know what I don't think I could do it I don't think I could put a needle on myself no I couldn't either no I don't do it no and this weekend is going to be awesome. There's going to be a cabillion people here. Not a cabillion. There's going to be a lot it's of a people lot. here. Uh, there's going to be some live bands. Yeah. Live bands on the stage. Going to DJs. Be lots of local talent. Somebody's probably going to buy pizza again. Maybe. It's possible. It's going to be a great time. Big pizza party. And the weather's going to be nice. Is it? I haven't even checked the weather. Yeah, it's going to be nice. Right. He says it's going to be nice. Now he's a weatherman. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'd rather be Anchorman. Ron, anyway, Ron that's all we have tonight. Uh, keep it classy, Canada.
Is that how he says it? Yeah, keep it classy. Stay classy, Canada. This is uh, Chris Burgundy and Carrie Whitefeather signing off. Sure. Okay, that sounds good. And uh, Trudeau, you're a dink. Oh, nice. Good night.